Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 62 of the North Meet South web podcast. Hey everybody, how's it going? Thanks for tuning in. We are both live on the interwebs of Twitter and on YouTube and all the places and all the things. So if you're joining us through any of those channels, welcome. You're live. And if you're not, then you're probably sitting in a car in traffic and I'm so sorry for your misfortune. Yeah. Speaking of driving Mm. and traffic, this last week, Monday through Thursday, I had the absolute joy and pleasure of being in Minnesota during some of the crappiest weather ever. Right. It was really crappy weather. In terms what, for cold or snowing or? It was just, well, I guess, okay, so to be fair. No, not cold or snowing. That would have been worse. It was just rainy. It's just like crappy, crappy weather. Yeah. It was the weirdest thing. So like we're driving up and I'm messaging my wife like, oh man, sorry, like it's going to be raining. And she's like, no, 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 it's fine here. I was like, what? And so it rained the whole time we're in Minnesota and it was gorgeous the whole time in Illinois. And then we crossed the border. We literally crossed from, it goes to like Minnesota, Wisconsin, Wisconsin to Illinois. We crossed the border from Wisconsin to Illinois and I'm not lying. Like it was like, ah, like clouds <laughs> opened up and it was like sunshine. Like I have no idea why or what was going on, but yeah. 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 So anyway, that was my week. So that was pretty much, um, I was pretty much my whole week just busy doing doing conferency stuff. So it's yeah. for the job. So nothing really developer related, just talking to clients and that sort of deal. So uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. How about yeah. you? How's your week been? Uh, it, was, it was a pretty good week. We had a couple of things crop up at work. So I had to drop what I was doing and, you know, change context, which is always fun. It's one always. Of those, another one of those weeks where you get in on Monday and you go, all right, this is what I'm going to do. But Monday is my meeting day. So I've got all of the, like leadership people in the in the business, we get on a Google Hangout and we go through all the departments and all that kind of stuff first thing in the morning on Monday. And then that goes into my weekly team meeting, which then goes into my weekly department heads meeting, which goes into my weekly one-on-one with my manager, just to touch base. So I lose Monday pretty much. All uh, day, yeah. So no yeah, Mondays. Yeah, no Mondays. And then after all that's done, then I have lunch and then, after lunch, the day is pretty much done. You don't really start anything. You don't really finish anything. You get nothing done. I spent a bit of this week pairing with one of my developers doing some UI stuff. And uh, it's interesting because you and I, and, and I guess a lot of people in the Laravel community have been following along with Adam Wathen and, and Steve Schroger and the refactoring UI stuff. And so we're all a little bit more sensitive to some UI patterns and our CRM or well, basically even now is still largely built on top of Bootstrap. And so I sat down to do some refactoring with with my developer or, you know, to do some UI stuff with my developer and there's just colored buttons everywhere. Oh, I said, gosh, you know, yeah. why is this button blue? Why is, and he goes, well, I said, how, how many blue buttons do you have on the page? Like what's what's the primary action here? And he goes, well, there's four primary actions. I said, no, 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 no. There's not four primary actions. And then, yeah. And then the classic, like, and just because the 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 class name is called primary, primary, secondary. Yeah, yeah. And then the the 
you know, following along from that, inevitably the delete button is red. I said, well, why is the delete button red? It's destructive. I said, yeah, but it's bright red. You, why are you drawing attention to it? You you want that to be muted. So, you know, just, just having those things. And, and it's funny because 12 months ago, I would have, maybe not to that extent, but I still would have been aware of it. And now it's really about thinking about having a primary and a secondary and a tertiary button and then being a little bit more considered, like not, not putting a button in based on what it does, but putting a button in based on where it fits in the context of the page. So, mm. you know, that, that kind of stuff. And then trying to figure out panels and tables and, and layouts and things like that where because you don't have, like you've got all the little building blocks, but you don't have a panel component. So you've got to build that and figure out how you want to style it and then figure out, you know, do you want this to be a white panel on a gray background or do you want to have a, a gray heading? And then, of course, you've got shades of gray. So then you're figuring out, is the background of this page a BG Gray 100 with a panel that's a BG Gray 200 or do you invert it? Because, you know, you don't really want a dark panel. You kind of want a light panel, but you want to differentiate right. the header from the from the content. And then the pattern that I've seen in a bit of the stuff that Adam and Steve have been putting out recently is that you've got a white panel heading, but then the panel itself is the light gray. So he's sort of like inverting that. So you spend a bit more time now, but you you think about what you're doing a little bit more than before where it was kind of like, you just put a panel here and and it's done. Totally. Yep, exactly. That's right. Yeah. And it really depends on the context in which you're dealing with. Right. So if it's like, I hate to say it this way. Like there are some things that it's just like, okay, yep, it's done. Like Mm -hmm. if it's an internal tool, sometimes it's okay to do that. If it's like an external tool, you need to be a little bit more considered. But, you know, it's like I struggle with that sometimes because it's like you have to figure out like what's the return on investment for the time that I'm spending to, to work on the design of this. So like, for example, there's one app that we built that was probably built, I don't know, maybe two, three years ago. We call it Face Cards. And so basically what it is, is uh, we have two buildings and so, and we have remote employees. And so there's a lot of times no real way for people to get to know everybody else in the office that they don't work with, right? So we've got all the avatars that we spent forever shooting and editing and all that stuff. And then basically it selects 20 people each day that you can be quizzed on. And it'll pull anybody that has birthdays or work anniversaries for that day. Mm-hmm. And then it has like a proficiency score for how well do people in the company know everyone and then pulls the people who are least proficient in the company, pulls like five of them and then just kind of randomly grabs a, an assortment of others. But when we first designed it, uh, it was very much just like it was like over a weekend sort of deal. Right. And so we let it sit out there for three years. And now finally we've gone back and, and refactored it. And at the same time, we didn't just refactor the UI. We also like looked at like, okay, there's some areas where it's slow and whatever, but that was the time to do it, right? It's like when you're going back, you're like, okay, we're going to spend a week on this app. Let's go ahead and actually take the time to refactor. So it's yeah. worked completely fine for three years. But now that we've got three years in, we have three years of data to kind of look at it and say, this is how we're actually using it. Let's take out the mm-hmm. pieces that we weren't using before, yeah. whatever, right? So it's like, yeah, I, I don't know. It's like I, I have this like balance of like MVP, ship early, ship often, get feedback and then iterate versus I really want to polish this thing and make sure it's perfect. Yeah. So it's, it's tough. I think, and I think there is, you can do both. You can do both. It's, but it doesn't mean you have to ship final product. I think that kind of getting the shape right before you do go into the detail. Right. So like, and I hate to say like wireframing, that's not really what it is. Like you remember when Ryan Singer was at a Laracon like three years ago or four mm-hmm. years ago, it was. and yeah. And they just did kind of that flow chart with no, no, 
buttons, anything. Just it was just like, here's the page, here's the primary actions, mm-hmm. right? And then like those that primary actions lead to this next page. What are the primary actions on those? And it would kind of like guide you through whatever the thing was that you needed to do, right? Yeah. And that was it. Like that was all there was. And then from there, it was very, very simple. I mean, like fat marker. Here's what it's going to look like, yeah. kind of, right? Yeah. Just here's the location, sort of, right? And so that allows you to kind of satisfy some of that ship early, ship often, ship ugly, get feedback. Yeah. And then once you've gotten it nailed down with your stakeholders that, yes, we've got the right idea here, then it's like, then, okay, yeah, polish and all that stuff makes sense. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that, like those, a lot of the color stuff, whatever, isn't even considered until you get to that final stage. Yeah. So yeah, there is, you can do both, I suppose. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we did a lot of that. It was around shuffling some things around and just figuring out, cause we had like a, a note section, but then we had some, like when we do a service qualification for a site to see what, what technology might be available there, we put in a table of, you know, these technologies available, they connect to these towers for fixed wireless, these fixed line products available. It connects to this point of interconnect and things like that. And just sort of like shuffling everything around, but we were building an appointments sort of like booking tool for our install techs that that go out to sites and things like that. And most of these techs are either on their mobile phones or on their iPads. And through tweaking this interface, we realized that, on their phones, they weren't actually getting a mobile view. They were getting a, you know, a resized desktop view because, and we spoke about this, I think, on the last episode. That oh, the, yes. That, oh, my gosh. The yeah. uh, meta tag, the, uh, I forget what it's called, but th- that meta tag was missing. Uh, so yeah. They were meta just getting port, the, right? Yeah, the viewport, that's right. So they were just getting the, the resized desktop view. So we fixed that up and then it was a matter of like shuffling things around. So we had... We had this view component for the service qualification, which is basically two columns. It's got the, the the fixed wireless on one side and the fixed line on the other side. But then depending on what rendered above it, there was like this little thing floating in the corner and this big bit of white space in that column because there was nothing in it. And then everything on the right was pushed down. But because the qualification was in a row of its own, the whole thing got pushed down. So we actually had a chance to play with view portal and to say like, yeah, this component can render a oh, Google yeah. map but we want that Google map to actually render up there in that empty space. And that allowed us to pull the whole page up really easily. So that that's a really handy way, you know, the quick little win we had just to fill in the available space rather than having this, this kind of like weird, cause it, it pushes everything down and you don't really get a complete picture there. So just like yeah. playing around with that. And then with Tailwind, you don't get rows and columns like you do in in Bootstrap? Bootstrap. Yeah, sure. so you've got to put your flex container and then you've got to have your negative margins and then you're padding on the, the internal things and it's like nesting, 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 all of these things so that you've got you know everything lined up. And then I've come across, I, I don't know, and I suspect it's some wacky thing because we're using Bootstrap and Tailwind and there's some conflicting styles. But when we use like a MX for a, a horizontal margin or a PX for a sure. for yeah. a um, horizontal padding. Horizontal padding, yeah. It seems to move everything left only. Even though it's applying margin left and margin right, the right margin never lines up. And I, it like drove me crazy. We spent like 45 mm. minutes on this thing trying to figure it out. And Did you ever figure it out? No, we just hacked around it. Oh, we just gosh, put like a, it's the We worst. just put like a ML6 on one side and just, <laughs> just so that it was in the right spot. So... 
The, the, I'm sure it has to do with floats. Like yeah. it's probably got to do with like a tail or a uh, bootstrap floats like stuck in yeah. there somewhere. There's something weird. Like it may be because we use a container, for example, from yes, um, from from Bootstrap and from Tailwind. But in in Tailwind, like it only only gives it a fixed width, and that's it. And then you apply the MX Auto or whatever to it. So I'm sure that the Bootstrap container has got some extra classes applied to it that that are wreaking havoc on us. So. You know, we we got it in a good place. Um, we spent like twenty minutes designing a a profile type card for an installer that's got their name and their contact details and the stuff on it, just because you know we wanted something to fill. We found this little bit of space, and it's like well, we don't we don't just want to put like the installer's name in the top because then we've got to find somewhere to also display their contact details. So why separate it? Let's try and group it together, and then we use that um, Lara. Lara Vault library that we've talked about on the show before yeah. to do yeah, yeah. just the like initial the initials of the name as like a little avatar, like a gravatar thing. And then I messaged Almost you. Almost like it does on Google, yeah. like for your Gmail or whatever, right? Yeah. And then I messaged you on Telegram. I'm like, this stupid thing doesn't even align. Like the characters are not in the middle <laughs> of the circle. And apparently it's yeah. a, a rendering bug that that's come up in that. And we went, it's close enough now, so we'll just leave it at that. But, exactly. Um, yeah, that's where I landed with that too because I'm using it as well in, in a um, in another project. It's like you kind of have to have something there, especially when you have like a profile card, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you don't have like an avatar of the user, you just got to have something there, like some yeah. circular something that like kind of fills in that spot. Yeah. And so it's just almost like it's almost like expected at this point, you know? Yeah. And then, I, you know, I spoke to the person responsible for all the install text. I'm like, oh, do you have photos of them all like we'll put their photo in there and he's like right, no, right why would you do that it's stupid i'm like what do you mean it's stupid you know this person calls up you want to know so who you you're speaking know who's to coming to your house to yeah. install yeah yeah but um yeah so we just put the initials in there anyway but you know just that took up a couple of my days just we spent three or four hours sitting down and pairing through it just to you know build these interfaces up and really sort of start driving out what the next iteration of our internal tooling looks like in terms of look and feel. I, our company's got like a style guide, but I don't know how how much detail it goes into in terms of, you know, applications and things like that. It'd be more like colors and logos and and, and that kind of sure, stuff. Right. But there's a, a fairly consistent look and feel across what I've seen of some of the newer applications that have been built from other development teams in terms of layout, you know, the main application layout and things like that. So just things like that that we're working towards now. And slowly starting to creep in. Yeah, I feel like we have like probably three different design styles almost at um, at Wilbur currently. So it's like we have this old school sort of bootstrappy sort of feel, right? Where it's like, okay, it's just bootstrap, just straight up bootstrap, like a very, very small customized version of it. Mm-hmm. And like okay like the panels all look the same whatever so there's probably like two or three apps that are like built with that and then there was like hey this period of time where we bring on this other developer and he doesn't use that customized version. he just uses straight up bootstrap yeah like so he just used bootstrap and that's fine but it just looks slightly different right Mm -hmm. and then we have the newest iteration which is hey it's all our new stuff and we're using tailwind only and that all looks really super good and a couple of the ones that I went back and refactored that were using bootstrap but are now using more like utility style classes as well 
or might be using the later versions of Bootstrap. And so those ones look sort of similar to the ones that we're using with Tailwind. So maybe three or four sort of iterations and Mm. versions. So Mm. it's like, you know, when you've been building apps for the company for like almost 10 years, you just have kind of different phases uh, and it's not like you, it's not like it makes sense to go through and update the UIs of all these things at the same time. Yeah. Right. So you just kind of have these almost like, you know, you can kind of like dig through the layers of all the things that we've, that we've done. And so, yeah, I find it sort of difficult to have like this consistent UI that you can, uh, that you apply, uh, 1000% like across the board. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't seem like it ever really happens that way. Yeah. Um, it just kind of seems like as you make changes and add features and stuff, you eventually kind of update those things a little bit at the time. But, you know, people are like style guides, style guides, or they have been for forever, but there's things just change so quickly, yeah. it seems like. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure what I think about that. Like we have a general style guide, like you said, for the business itself, mm. but we don't have like a specifically like a UI style guide. Yeah. Um, maybe it makes sense for like a, a larger business who's going to be like handing that off, handing this off to like myriad teams of developers and designers mm-hmm. from like different countries, blah, 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 whatever. And there's gotta be a way to enforce consistency, but no, it's still only going to be like me and two other developers. Like you can still kind of wrap your head around it and keep a handle on things, you know? So it's, I, I think it's, I guess it's less necessary to have that style guide. I mean, it gives us a little bit of consistency and at least a reference point to say this is what things should look like and how you fill in the pieces is is up to you. So a little bit of bit of uh, you know consistency from a structural point of view, but then a bit bit more free reign to tidy things up. And some of our stuff is in desperate need of it because we've just been bolting on and bolting on and bolting on for twelve years now. You know, there's places in the application where things have just been thrown in because there's space to put them kind of thing not yep. this actually belongs there so we need to sit down and and figure out what goes where and what makes sense to be displayed and what doesn't make sense to be displayed and what makes sense to be a link to somewhere else for you to handle it and things like that so it's um you know these these long-lived projects are certainly interesting in terms of seeing different not only you know, you look at code that you wrote a year ago and it's very different to code you write now, but then you're looking at UIs that you wrote five years ago or 10 years ago and then coming back to it and like you see the things have aged, but they've worked for so long, so it's hard. And then, of course, as soon as you start redesigning everything, even even though you consult with people and you make sure that you build what's needed and you put all the things in the right place, people still start to get funny about it because things are not where they're used to them being, so... It's a, it's yeah, a tricky we had, thing. We had a bit of backlash with that recently. We're we're redesigning quite a bit of like our external stuff. So like we changed our homepage and it was exactly that. They've got a couple of people like, I don't know how to find this thing. Like, where is this thing? And it was the thing is it was much more obvious to anybody who was new coming to the page. But the old guard, like it was always in the top right corner. Where is it now? Well, mm-hmm. literally open your eyes. It's like right there. Just look. It's the button right there. But they were like, it's not where it used to be. So I'm not going to look. Right. And same thing. We, we redesigned our intranet page, which is like our homepage for everybody in the building. Yeah. Right. That has all of whatever. But we basically made it a we changed it from a list of links to a more like a dashboard. So here are all the applications that you have access to. Here's the number of actions that you need to complete. We have like this package that we created called user task list. And so when you arrive at the intranet, it'll look at, hey, which apps do you have access to? And then each one of those little app icons makes a call out to the app. So it's like app.wilbergroup.com slash 
GUID, like the user's GUID, mm-hmm. GUID, GUID. You're just asking for a beat down. Yep. Yep, <laughs> I am. So sorry, app.wilbergroup.com slash user task list or something slash GUID, whatever you want to do with it, however you want to call that, right? And that will just return a number. And so you just get like a little notification number, right? So... Uh, and then with the links that they have on the page, like we actually are tracking which links they use and then we show them like the top links that they've used. So it's much more useful and customized to like that individual when they are on the page. Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, it's not where it's used to be. So I just don't like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, people are sensitive about that stuff. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to say is like you were talking about like bolting on, bolting on, bolting on, and like you add things in certain places just because you kind of have a spot there. Mm-hmm. This is one of the ideas that like really kind of brought me over to liking the concept of mobile first design because you have these constraints where you only have one tube of content to fill up. And so you really need to focus on the positioning and the primary elements that you want people to focus on because you only have so much space, yeah. right? So you, it's really, it really forces you to focus on what's important, what do I want them to see right away. So you start with that, and then from there, you can still focus on those things as you scale up to the desktop, but now you have a little more room to add some, some like decoration, some personality, yeah. right? But it stills like you can still keep the main thing the main thing. You've already made the decision of where do we need to draw their attention, what do we need them to be focusing on? But then you can add secondary and tertiary elements, right? But that was kind of, I feel like, the argument that won me over. It was like, okay, that totally makes sense. Like, it, it forces you to focus on the important things. Um, and then, of course, the also the idea, I guess, of, like, progressive enhancement, mm-hmm. where, you know, you can't guarantee that everybody who's coming to your site has all the abilities of a desktop user. So you got to start small and then scale up rather yeah. than going the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that it's easier for me that way, right? Otherwise, if I go from desktop and then scale down to mobile... It's just, it becomes like I have to cram a bunch of stuff onto a mobile screen. And yeah. It's like, I don't, where do I put all these things? Or you find that things, going back to that map example from before, because we were using a view portal to position it in the, the left-hand column of the top row of the page, when you went to a mobile view, the map and the rest of that content got split with another column. So it was like the thing that was in the top yeah. of that left column and then the map and then the right column and then it went to the rest of like the stuff that was so on a desktop view it all makes sense but now it's kind of like here's the map here's a gap and here's the rest of the stuff that belongs to that map so you end up having to like scroll backwards and forwards and that's the kind of stuff like we saw it we go well how do we fix it now because you want it to portal into that spot on the desktop view but not necessarily on the on the mobile view so yeah things to, yeah. Things to be mindful of typically speaking our internal CRM is not we, right. If you say it, it looks janky on the, on the mobile, we say, well, we're not supporting mobile. Like there's, there's just right, too right. much yeah. in there that we, we don't even care. Like just suck it up or find a laptop or something. You can do most right, things, right. but there's some tables in there, for example, that you can't scroll and you can't see them. And, and we've got like this navigation bar that's like three columns on mobile that collapses into three rows and it takes up like a chunk of the the top of the page and things scroll under it. it. It doesn't hide or anything like that. So you lose like a third of your visible real estate on mobile and we go, well, you know, just grab a desktop. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
the things you can get away with when you're inside like a corporate network. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah. nope, we don't have to care about you because we don't, because we say we don't. Yeah, so we're probably for the most part similar to that. Like we don't necessarily have to have some of these things uh, accessible or available on mobile. Tailwind does, I've, I'm, you may have noticed working with Tailwind a little bit that they do kind of follow that paradigm, right? Of like the styles that are applied are assumed to be like for the smallest viewport size. And then as you scale up, if you need to change it, then you tag on MD colon yeah. whatever, right? You know what I mean? So yeah, there's no prefix for like the smallest size. And then it's just like, as you get larger, you do these different pieces, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. I like that. I appreciate that. That it's that is that it that it is that way. I think foundation yeah. was the first thing that pushed me to that. Yeah, that really went mobile first. And mobile first is really nice. Yeah. Broadly speaking, anyway, depending on what you're building. But in a lot of cases, building for mobile and then scaling up is is going to be a lot easier because I mean I would be making this up, but I would assume that most people are looking at things for the very first time on their phones. Right. Yeah. I mean like I think that I think um, for sure, like obviously Facebook traffic or whatever mm. there, I think their traffic, I, I know for sure they've crossed the, that like 50% mark where the, the amount of traffic coming to their site over on mobile phones is, is more mm. than the amount coming on desktop. And so it just really depends on like your distribution channels. Like, are you distributing or speaking about your application or your website through mobile channels, then you're likely going to have a lot of mobile visitors, right? So it's, I mean, obviously this is old news. It's not a demographic that can be ignored anymore. So yeah. you really kind of need to go that direction. Yep. 100%. Um, so we are on uh, we are on just tangent after tangent after tangent here, <laughs> which is just fine. That's exactly what this show is. That's no problem. Um, was there anything specific you wanted to talk about on the show this week? Yeah, let's let's talk about this thing. This, this thing that we're talking monitoring, about. Monitoring, this scheduled task monitoring thing. I had a yeah. pull request opened to the framework to facilitate some of the hopes and dreams that you had sort of founded <laughs> this this whole thing on. So that got merged in yesterday, I think, or the day before. So we can start to knuckle down. Yeah. So tell us about it. So like tell us like what was the purpose of the pull request? Like what did it what yeah. did it accomplish? So when we were discussing on the on the previous episode, Tom Schlick mentioned that we could potentially hook into the command starting and command finished events in in the framework. So basically anytime a command runs, you can get, you know, it tells you this command ran, which was good, except it was for any time any command ran. So if you ran the command from the artisan command line, if you ran, you know, PHP artisan, my task, whatever, then it would trigger that event. And there was no way based on the event payload to differentiate between a scheduled task run and 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 just the command running anywhere else so it made it difficult and that kind of yeah broke the the dream of like just install this package in your application and it'll work because we couldn't differentiate and you would never be able to tell and then you would need people to go into the ui and say yes this is a scheduled task that isn't but then right i don't know about you but sometimes i've got scheduled tasks that run you know once a day or, or every few hours or whatever but i want to run it because you know we suspect there's something wrong with it which we have done in the oh, last yeah, yeah. week or two and it like because the command ran we didn't know anything of it and because it like captured an exception and just like wrote out to standard error we didn't know that it had failed so running it manually that would have also triggered that event to fire so i went digging 
deep into the the core and found the the right spot or what I thought was the right spot for where to fire this event. And Taylor said it's not quite right, so <laughs> had to go back and and tweak it a little bit. But basically, now we've got a scheduled task starting and a scheduled task finished, which will fire for whenever an artisan command runs through the you know the task scheduler. So now that that's in there, we can hook in. Obviously, when we install the package, we can do the initial setup, which goes and finds all of your scheduled tasks scheduled and pushes tasks, them yeah. pushes them up to our little SAS. But also for any task that you add later, you won't have to go in and configure another webhook endpoint or do any other configuration there because we've got these events firing now. So we'll just know that, you know, an event, a scheduled task has run and we'll be able to just check, like, did this exist before? And if it didn't, we can create it. And if it does, uh, then we'll just update the the last runtime and all, all that kind of stuff. So we get the the payload, all the information that we need about the task that ran and we can hook into that event with our own listener that does whatever else we need to do in terms of tracking environments, fingerprinting the the payload, making sure that, you know, we know what that is when it when it hits us. So that was a, a sort of significant piece for us in terms of making this really hands off. And there's like three steps to to getting it up and running. Step one, install the package. Step two, run the install command. And step three, there is no step three. Um, it, it'll all just work from that <laughs> Enjoy. point. So yeah, um, I, I think that's basically as simple as, as it's going to be. So now it's just a matter of really building out the, the skeleton, getting it up and running. We just need to build like the composer package now and throw this up somewhere and we can start playing around with it. Even if it's just you and I, just to get a bit of an understanding totally. of, the, of the feel of like, there is now some monitoring there, being able to track, you know, when things aren't running, being able to track when things ran, but didn't run properly like they did they exited yeah. early or they exited with an error or whatever because sometimes you won't actually get an exception so uh, as i said in, in my instance we were like capturing the exception and just like logging a, an error to the page so there was no yeah. exception triggered in century so it wasn't until we ran it manually because someone goes hey i haven't received this report for a little while that we found out that there was an issue there so it'd be good to start getting that in there and and starting to flag some of these things and figuring out what we want to put into an MVP, which most likely is being able to set it up and then like start monitoring things, probably yeah. just like email initially in terms of the notifications. And then I sent you like a whole bunch of messages last night, obviously in the middle of your night. Totally, yeah. That's like... Yeah, I, I got them. Questions around pricing. I was listening to... I, I said the Art of Product podcast. I'm pretty sure it was the most recent Art of Product podcast at the time of us recording this episode where they were talking about low friction entry for developer tools and like you just want to install this thing and go in there and start playing around and using the the sort of labeling that this is your staging environment and then you know not asking for a credit card up front limiting what you can do whether that's in terms of the number of projects or the number of tasks that we monitor or you know the the interval like we might not send a notification immediately we might wait 15 minutes to send a notification to say that something was missed or or something like, you know, I don't know what that looks like, but then to say like, all right, now I'm ready for production and say like, this is the bit where we ask for your credit card details. You go onto like a paid plan of whatever it is per month and then you unlock more features or more tasks or more projects yeah. or whatever. I think you and I were fairly aligned in that it'll be like as many users as you want kind of thing. I don't think yeah. users is a metric that we that we sort of lock this down on. If you want to invite people into your thing, you know, your 
team, I guess, for lack of a better terminology, then you can do that. Like you can create new user accounts under your thing to like log in and monitor. I don't think there's any issues with that. But then doing bits and pieces around, you know, the types of notifications that we send later on and things like that, that we'll feel out over time. But I think, you know, just initially logging, sign up, create an account, install the package, and then you, and and then you're basically ready to go. There's there's nothing else that needs to be done from there. So it'd be good. Yeah. Hopefully, that's been merged into six x now in the framework. So hopefully that'll come out when they tag a new release next week. Fingers crossed. But at least now that it's in there, we can start, you know, forging ahead, knowing that that code will be there and that we can use it to to build this out. So that'll be really cool. Yeah. So I think I, I, I am down with all of that stuff. I think that kind of like the thing that we're talking about here, and I've had a lot of these. So the, the, the thing is like, this is a really felt pain point for me. Like I deal with these things all the time, like every day. Every day I'm dealing with this stuff. And so like we already have an application that handles this for us that we built internally, but we need it for some external stuff as well. And I don't want to have to build an external version. So that's exactly what this is. This is my external yeah. version of this. And so like this is not like a, this is not one of those things where like your users should be delighted. Like that's not what we're going for. Like your users should never hear from this ever. ever. <laughs> well, hopefully they should never hear from it ever. If they do, it's going to be like, if it's going to be great or whatever, but I want it to be like, this is not one of those things that anybody enjoys doing or setting up. So it's like a mm. requirement and you hope to never have to hear from it. But if you, if something does go wrong, you definitely want something hold like checking your, checking your back for you. So yeah. we want it to be get in, get out done. Like, that's it. Like if you have a problem, be able to get in, diagnose the problem and get out as quickly as possible. Nobody wants to spend any time here. So we're not trying to make Mm -hmm. it like the most enjoyable, fun thing you've ever done. It's just like, just get the job done and and move along. Right. So for me, like equate it to like an ATM, like give me the fastest way to get my card in my money out and leave. Like that's it. Like don't Mm -hmm. show me any advertisements. Don't do anything cute. Just give me. Exact, ask me if I want a receipt. Yeah, none, just give me what I need and let me leave. Right. So that's what I want yeah. for this thing. I want it to be extremely fast, extremely efficient, and just do what it's supposed to do and and get and then get out. Right. So that's the one thing. Uh, what was the other piece? Oh, so yeah, I think kind of like for us next step too is as we're building this out, we want people to be able to that are listening to this to be able to either hear progress or be notified when we kind of put beta invites out. So we're going to have an email signup list that I'm going to be creating a landing page for probably by the time this episode comes out. Um, do we want to say what we're calling it? Probably. Yeah, I think by the time this episode comes out, the, the people that are listening live now can get a little head start yeah. on people. So what we want decided, we originally, what, what was the original name you were going to call it? I can't remember. I was going to be clever and follow the like elemental theme that's going around. Laravel at the moment. Sure. So like and call it Mistral. 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 So I thought it was really cool and clever and it like tied into the the ecosystem a little bit and you were like, no. No. It did yeah, not. I couldn't remember it and anything like that. So it, yeah. it tied into the the uh, ecosystem as far as like the concept of the name, like Mistral, because it's like, you know, elemental or whatever. Um the thing that mm-hmm. anybody who's doing this currently is likely using is this command that Taylor created for Envoyer, which is 
arrow sign, then ping on a scheduled task, right? So you say then yeah. ping, and then that pings out to an endpoint through, uh, and that, that goes to an endpoint on Envoyer, and then that will alert you. Um, here are the couple of reasons why I don't use Envoyer. Um, number one, it's sort of difficult. Like I have to go through and I have to go set it up in Envoyer. Then I have to go take that and copy the URL and paste that back into my app. And then it doesn't, mm-hmm. yeah, it's... Um, it only warns me once if it's failed. So like if I miss that notification, you're screwed. You know what I mean? Yeah. You get one chance and then that's it. It's only going to notify you once, which you would think would be fine. But like in the case that it's still failing after a day, like I might want another app. You know what I mean? I might want another reminder or something that it failed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the other reason why I was like, it didn't really work out for me. But then ping is the command that you kind of use on the end of your scheduled tasks. So kind of going along mm-hmm. with that, we're going to call the application then ping me. So it's then ping dot me is the name of the uh, SAS. And so you can go sign up for the email list by going to then ping dot me. So that's it. Yeah. That's easy. that. Yep. That's that. And we want the pricing to be really simple too. Like you said, kind of like we're not really interested in like per user pricing or anything like that. We just want to be like probably what what is it that's going to cost us money to be able to maintain it? That's projects and, and check-ins, right? So like that's where we're going to base our pricing around. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh. Awesome. So we're, I think we're both excited about it. I've got, a, uh, I've got a logo in the works and working on some of the theming and that sort of stuff, the UI around what it's going to look like and have some great ideas around that. And then you're working on most mm-hmm. of the code stuffs as it is right now working in inertia. So that's been kind of cool. And yeah, that's kind of what's going on with it right now. I think we're hoping to, I don't know if this is even uh, possible, but we're hoping to have something out by the time uh, Laracon AU comes around. So yeah, yeah we're, that's the goal we're shooting about, for. About six weeks out. I think it's, I think it's reasonable, especially now that we've got this, this main road block out the yeah. way to start really knuckling down and, and getting it all together. All of the functionality on the SaaS side, in terms of sign up, login, creating projects, deleting, you know, managing projects, is done. The ability to set up, so getting the the composer package to push its stuff into the SaaS, that's all good to go. So really now it's just building out the package, installing it into an app, and then and then testing it out. Yeah, um, and and starting to tweak in terms of I have the app to test it on. Yeah, monitoring um, in terms of sending the notification and things like that. So. Yeah, we'll we'll get it ticking along. We've had, um, I don't know if, about you specifically, but I've had a few people reach out saying that they're they're pretty keen on seeing what we come up with and and giving it a spin. So, yeah. you know, scheduled tasks are obviously fairly common in in our space in in Laravel. So it'd be good to see, you know, a bit of uptake and and you know, getting some early feedback from people, you know, we might let people in. It's the it's the hip thing to do at the moment, but letting people in, you know, a few at a time just to start testing it out, stress testing the application, um, tweaking UI and, and fixing up little things. It can, it can, it kind of like controls the number of bugs that you get at a time, right? You can only fix so many things at once. Correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but it, you know, it helps you, it lets you be vigilant in terms of what you can and can't work on. And, and, you know, if people say, I want it to do this, and then we, you know, we have to have a discussion about does the application need to do this or whatever. So yeah, hopefully it'll, it'll be in a good spot. As we said, when we first started talking about this out in the open, 
if 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 it's just you and me that use this, then it's just you and me that use this, and and we'll be happy because totally. we need it. But it's funny because it is like a crowded space, isn't it? Like there, I mean, I don't even know how many people I've had like mess- message me, reach out to me. Hey, did you check this one out? It's like, yeah, I've seen I've seen almost all of them. I looked at all of them, and yeah. it's great. Like there's some really good ones out there and stuff, but like it's either the pricing that I'm like, and eh, that's really kind of icky, or I don't really like the concept or it's not as simple as this one's going to be. So, but I loved what Justin Jackson's article recently about like selling ice cream on a busy, on like a busy beach, right? He's like, yeah, if you want to like, oh man, I'm trying to remember. It's, we should link it up in the show notes. Basically like you have a great chance of being able to sell some ice cream if you go like to where all the other ice cream vendors are, because like, it's very obviously like a popular spot to be right. So they're all, this Mm -hmm. is like, a problem like people have this problem so we don't need to convince the world that like this is something you need like people are aware that this is something that's needed so um if we can just let people that we know know about it and anybody finds it valuable excellent right but like we don't have Mm -hmm. to convince people that they have a problem that needs solving like it's a very obvious thing so we just are coming we're we're another one of the people who's providing a solution Yeah. yeah cool Awesome. Well, it's been about 45 minutes, 44 minutes. I am all set for right now. Did you you have anything else you wanted to talk about before we uh, wrap it up? No, I think that's all all for now. I've got uh, Laricon AU. I might as well talk about that. I got the designs for the t-shirt, stickers, badges, everything. We we reached out to um, the same designer that, that did our stuff last year, so Nohimi Olvera. Uh, she did a really good job. I'm really happy with how this one's turned for Titan? out. So she does work for Titan, yeah. So I had to, I had to ask Matt to make sure that it was okay, and he was very gracious to allow me to borrow his resources, his people, his excellent people. Can't speak highly enough. So uh, very excited to have that. Hopefully, we'll have that. I, I guess we'll announce we'll use that publicly soon. So that's ready to go. We're going to start ramping up now in terms of getting all of the, the marketing pieces. So the t-shirts need to get ordered and, and made up and, and the, all the artwork needs to be done for badges and, and posters and, and whatever else for the venue. We're going to do one more round of, we've got three, three talks left to announce, which will happen this week. And once that announcement goes out, probably after this recording hits, we will be putting the prices up. So this is your last chance. You'll probably have, I guess, three or four days from from when this recording comes out to buy your Blind Bird tickets. Once we've announced all of our speakers, that's it. Prices are going up. You missed out. You've had, you know, it's been it's been four months now or so. So if you haven't haven't committed yet, you're gonna miss your chance to pick up tickets at two ninety nine. They're gonna go up. So. Um, they'll probably run at the early bird price for another couple of weeks leading into uh, October and then they'll go full price for the for the remainder of the time. So we'll keep going. We're at, we've sold three quarters of our tickets. Nice. So That's great. It's not like there's there's heaps of tickets left and there's also not heaps of time left for you to get them at the blind bird price. So uh, if you are interested in or if you're teetering on the edge of deciding whether or not you want to come to Laracon, are you at the end of October in Sydney, then this is your last chance to pick up a uh, what I think is a, a quite reasonable. There's a couple of other conferences going on at the time, which I guess are vying for our eyeballs that that we want to come to Laracon. But our conference is like 25% of the cost of that the other one that's running at the same time. So, so go to Laracon AU. Go to Laracon AU. Absolutely, you should. We've got some excellent speakers. We announced last week 
Freak is coming. So we've got Freak Cell. We'll, we'll be at Laracon. We've got <laughs> J-Max coming out. We've got, I think, five or six first-time speakers. So I'm really excited to see what, what they bring to the table. They've got some great topics to cover off. So uh, I've, I've, I've heard them highly recommend. So they're not... This is not coming out to a conference and giving their talk, giving a talk for the very first time. They've spoken at local meetups and things like that. This is their first conference talk. So I'm excited to be able to give people the opportunity to to get up on stage and, and share their ideas in front of a captive audience. And then, you know, wherever it goes from there, hope they remember us when they when they hit the big time as it goes. So absolutely. Yeah, very excited for for those people that are are going to be making presentations at a conference for the first time. Yeah, should be awesome. Should be awesome. I wish I could be there. Next year. Uh, yeah, next year. The infamous next year. Well, before we go, I also want to yeah. give a shout out to Makeable. Uh, so makeable.dk. So it's makeable.dk. So Rasmus Nielsen and Lars Dahl, who is actually the chief developer and one of the partners in the business, got to meet them at Laracon New York this uh, this what, a couple months ago now. Uh, so it was really awesome, but mm-hmm. they are sponsoring the show. And so check them out if you get a chance, makeable.dk. Looks like they've got some really cool stuff that they've been working on, um, some apps actually, which I'm not positive actually if they're web apps or if they're websites like, you know. They do they do web and mobile apps okay. for clients. Thank you. That's, yeah. where, that's what I was looking for, if it's a web app or if it's a mobile app. Mm. Uh, but they've got some really interesting stuff out there. So it looks like they do great work. So check them out if you need anything done. Where are they based out of again? I'm trying to remember exactly. There. Based out of Aarhus, Aarhus in Denmark. So if you're around Denmark, and they do speak English as well. So like even if you're not from Denmark, that's fine too. Mm. Looks like they do some really great work. So check them out. And thanks so much, Rasmus, for sponsoring the show. Cool. All right. Well, this yeah. has been episode 62. If you like the show, feel free to uh, find show notes for it on northmeetsouth.audio slash 62. If you like the show, rate it up. Share it with your friends. That'd be great. And if you have any questions or comments, hit us up on Twitter at Jacob Bennett, at Michael Dorinda, or at North South Audio. Until next time, check us out at thenping.me. Sign up for the email list, and we'll be sure to get you more information as soon as we know. Uh, we also have a Twitter account at twitter.com slash thenpingme. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. It's been good, my friend. It's been good. Yeah. It's always good to chat hopefully as we start building out in the next two weeks a little bit more of this app we'll have some more for people to to check out absolutely all right everyone thanks so much we'll see you in two weeks bye